Well, good morning one more time. Can you put your hands together if you're excited to be at church this morning? Let's not just do it out of routine. If you're excited to be at church this morning, let's put our hands together. Man, it's excited. Uh, we're excited to be here today, and I want to welcome all those who are worshiping with us online. Can we, in the room, go ahead and put our hands together for those who are worshiping with us online? A lot of people out there we're excited about today and glad that you are with us as well. Now, I want to start off by just saying happy love day to everyone. Uh, No matter if you had a date, you didn't have a date, you had a boo, you didn't have a boo, we want to let you know right here at Victory Midtown that we absolutely love you and that God loves you. And I want you to do something. Look at somebody next to you and say, we love you and God loves you. Come on, say it one more time. We love you and God loves you. Amen. Amen. So we're excited today. I just wanted to make sure that even as we get started in this message, uh, that we set the tone because there's a lot of great things happening. And today we're kicking off a brand new series. And I'm really excited about this. And I've had this in my heart uh, for the last several days. And as I've been processing through it, I want to make sure that we really open ourselves up to really hear what God is saying. And many of you who are used to being here, you know what I say, lean in, but open up your spirit, open up your heart, because I really believe God is going to speak and he can transform some things if we allow him. Amen? Amen. So let me jump into this. We, we are in week one of this new series called Quicksand. But over the last month, what we've been doing is we've been talking about these two words and we've been really drilling it down and we have said that God wants to emancipate his greatness in us. And so before I even go another step further, I want us to say this together. Say emancipate, emancipate. greatness. Emancipate, emancipate. greatness. Now, if you're new around here, what we've been saying is that Emancipating Greatness, while it was a series that we started off this year with, this is not just a four-week series that we just kind of do and then we keep it moving. If you've been a part of church for any period of time or a part of organizations, they'll start something and kind of get real excited about it, then you move on to the next week and you're like, where did that go? And so what we've decided is that every message, every series that we do this year is going to fall under the banner of Emancipating Greatness. And when we do that, what we're saying is that God wants to get something great out of you. He doesn't just want to get something great out of you. He wants to get what he put inside of you out of you. And so as we're looking at this, we've been talking a lot about Genesis 127, that we were made in God's image and in his likeness, that we were talking about uh, verse 28 in Genesis 1, that we're to rule, subdue, and have dominion. And in order to do that, there are some things that we actually have to make sure we put in order. And what we want to see, I said this the other week, what we want to see is we want to see you step out into your potential. No longer do we want you living in low living. No longer do we want you operating in hesitation. No longer do we want you looking at other people thinking that they can do it and you can't do it when God made you to do it. And so as we're walking through this, here it is. As a pastoral staff, we've been kind of praying through What will it look like and what will it take for us to truly emancipate the greatness in the heart of victory? And so what we've been doing as we're looking to see us all coming to that full knowledge of Christ and to us all coming and living our lives to the fullest as Jesus would ordain, we kind of started to pray and say, what are the things we need to deal with to make sure that we're able to get there? We've been saying for the last several weeks that we're taking 2021 to be a year of what? Come on, I got some good students in the class. We are saying that we're going to get healthy this year. 2021 is going to be a year of health. And as I've been saying often, I know that's a little bit counterproductive and even counterintuitive for some people because we're a society that likes to go, likes to hustle, likes to grind. 
And what we have to do in order to really get ready for what God wants to explode in us is we have to do what? Y'all are real good class. Those who are watching online, we have to be able to slow down. And in slowing down, what we did is we gathered together and we really took it to prayer and said, God, what are the things we need to go through this year in order to get there? And we feel like God gave us a prescription. We feel like he really gave us a list of things that we want to deal with. And that's why it's important for, as I've been saying, hey, give God one year. If you've never heard me say that before, I just mean give God one year where you're being very attentive, where you're coming to church as much as you can, where you're listening to the word over and over again during the week, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so in order to do that, what we want to do is encourage you, don't skip a week if you don't have to. Because as we have this prescription, as we're calling it from God, he may actually give your antidote on the weekend you decide I want to sleep in. And while you can get it online, while you can worship online, there is something about really coming and receiving what God has firsthand. And so I'm encouraged that even all of you, I see many faces that you have been here almost every week uh, that we've started this year. And I want to stop right quick and just let you give yourselves a round of applause all over the room. I'm doing that because I'm encouraged and I'm doing that because we need to be encouraged in this thing. And so as we're talking about getting healthy, as we're looking at how we slow down and do that this year, and we've been asking ourselves what are the main things, there was one theme that was very prevalent that kept coming back to us over and over again, and it was this theme of forgiveness. Forgiveness. I see a lot of heads shaking already saying, yeah, I know I need to deal with that. And some of y'all are like, man, I showed up to the wrong church today (laughs) because there are some things that I'm not ready to forgive. There are some things that have really been done to me that I'm not ready to give up. There are some things that, as we are talking about, and the reason why we titled this series Quicksand is because there are things that I have been stuck in for a long time. And what God really is saying to us today through this series and over the next several weeks, we're going to look to, as a church body, give you a hand out of that quicksand. The places where you've been stuck, the places where God is saying, come past, we want to make sure that you get that. So as we're looking at this, here it is. This area of forgiveness is a big thing. And I want to set the tone by just saying this. I remember when I came to Victory, when Kendra and I first came and we were starting to pastor. And Pastor Johnson, we had lunch and he started to tell me a story about a pastor who had been at Victory for a long time before he started pastoring. And he told him this thought that really kind of shaped the way he operated. This seasoned pastor told him, he said, Johnson, Pastor Johnson, listen, If you can make it through offense in ministry, you can make it through anything. What did he mean by that? He said, as a pastor, many pastors can't stand under the weight of the constant criticism that you're going to get. Many pastors, and let me say it like this, many people can't stand under the constant criticism that we get, and we often find ourselves walking through offense. And so as we're walking through this, here it is. This is especially real for those who attend Victory Church because we are a church that you have the opportunity to get offended every time you turn your head. Why? Because we are many different cultures. We're many different ages. We're many different races. We're many different uh, political ideologies are in the room. And so as we look at this, if we choose to walk in offense, we can stay stuck in that offense. And so the reason why this message in this series is so important is that there are people in this room, there are people who are watching online who are actually offended with somebody else in this room. You might be sitting next to them. You might have had an argument on the way here to church. 
Don't say amen, just say ouch. But wherever you find yourself, God does not desire for us to stay in the place of being stuck in that place of offense. So here it is. The reason why I can say that so confidently that this is something that we need to deal with is because Jesus says it. Jesus says offenses will come. Betrayals will come. People will persecute and abuse you. And so I have one question in here just by a show of hands. How many of you in this room have at one time or another been offended? I see most of the hands up. I'm going to pray for the spirit of lying for the rest of you in this room. Those who are watching online, I need you to put in the chat, yes, I've been offended. We're not going to stay there, but my, my bigger question is, how many people want to stay in that place of being stuck in offense for the rest of your life? Yeah, I see a lot of heads shaking no. And so as we walk through this, again, open your spirits to what God is saying, because as we're walking through this again, we don't want to be stuck in quicksand. If you've watched any TV shows like I was when I was a kid, you would see those shows where there was always a person that actually was trying to set somebody up. They would walk this certain way and then they would kind of turn around this way and watch the person walk through it because they wanted them to get trapped in that place that they set up for them. And all of a sudden, they would be stuck. They would want to go forward, but they needed help. And so we're going to be that help today, amen? So listen, I want to just jump into this. Check this out. This first word that the Bible talks about when it comes to offense is the Greek word scandalon. Scandalon. And this means a trap or a snare. And if you want to follow, whether you're in the room or online, you can actually go to the YouVersion Bible app. You can click more and click events. Victory Midtown is right there. We still got love for you if you're an Android user. I think it works there too. No shade. But here it is. Offense in the Greek, it means scandalon. It is a trap, a snare. It's an impediment placed in the way, causing one to stumble or to fall. And this is where we get the word scandal. I know when I say that, you know, some of you are fans of that show that used to come on a, lot, a long time ago. Don't raise your hands. All right. But what you would see in that show called Scandal is there were a lot of times where people were, were set up. There were a lot of times where there was someone looking to be trapped. There was a lot of things that were happening where a scandal was actually present. And what I'm saying here today is as we get started in this message is that the devil... Yes, I know we don't talk about the devil that much in contemporary church anymore, but there is a real devil, and this devil really wants to come after your life. But this devil, what his primary goal is, is to be what is called the accuser of the brethren, where he's always making you look at somebody with a little shade. He's always wanting you to second guess, do they really mean what they're saying, or are they kind of putting up a front? You know what I'm talking about. You can walk past somebody and you know how you look back and say, man, they came and spoke to everybody else except for me. Man, you know, I know that social media post was about me. What about this one? You know, I saw them. They had this function. They invited all these people. I knew them longer than they knew them. Why didn't they invite me? I'm offended. What about this last one? I've been watching them and I'm seeing them. I knew they voted for him. I'm in here with you right now. No matter where you find yourself, what happens is that we always have the opportunity to be offended, but we have to choose not to take that bait. And so as we look at this, here it is. I just said it before, the devil is after you, but here it is. Because you are, and if you are a believer, if you, you are bought with a price, you are covered by the blood of Jesus, the devil cannot kill you. Can I get another amen on that? Let me let you know. The devil does not have the power to kill you because you are covered and you are in God's hands. 
But while the devil can't kill you, what he can do is distract you. What he can do is actually get you off course. What he can do is trap you into forfeiting your God-given gift and your God-given purpose. And so as we're looking at this, here it is. What we want to do, and we want to make sure that we clear the air, because we have a tendency to look at people through the eyes of our offense for them instead of the eyes of the image of God. And as we are talking about the Imago Dei, the image of God, God has something special for us because we want to make sure we live this life to the fullest. So let me do this. God and his sovereignty, he sent us as a pastoral staff to say, we're not going to allow people to stay stuck even if they put themselves in the same position. And so I want to read this scripture because I believe there's some people in the house that want to get free today. Can you put your hands up if you want to get free today, if you want to get unstuck today? So let's walk through this. This is a scripture I'm going to read. It's a little bit longer of a scripture that I generally would read in a service, but I really need us to get this because it's packed with principles from the Lord. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, it says this. It says, later, Peter approached Jesus and said, how many times do I have to forgive my fellow believer who keeps offending me? Seven times? Jesus answered, not seven times, Peter, but 70 times, seven times. The lessons of forgiveness in heaven's kingdom realm can be illustrated like this. There was once a king who had servants who had borrowed money from the royal treasury. He decided to settle accounts with with each one of them. And as he began the process, it came to his attention that one of his servants owed him one billion dollars. One billion dollars. I'm driving at home because I want us to get the fruit of this. One billion dollars. As a matter of fact, if you actually just take a moment and actually understand Hebrew culture, this story was actually told and it actually means 10,000 talents. And 10,000 talents actually equal 200,000 paychecks. Some of y'all are so distracted. Y'all are like, I need that right there. Don't try it. We got security in here. Don't try it. This equates to 200,000 paychecks that you're talking about right here. So he said this person owed him $1 billion. He goes on to say, so he summoned the servant before him and said to him, pay me what you owe me. When this servant was unable to repay his debt, the king ordered that he is sold as a slave along with his wife and children and every possession they owned as payment towards his debt. The servant threw himself face down at his master's feet and begged for mercy, saying, please be patient with me. And this right here, I want to just pause for a moment. This right here is a picture of religion. It's a picture of religion because a lot of times what happens is that, yes, we need to throw ourselves at the mercy of God because he is so forgiving. But what happens is that we feel like we can actually repay the debt that God actually gave uh, freedom to us for. And so many times what happens in church, what happens in the body of Christ, what happens in the world is that people are feeling like their works can be done to repay something that can never be repaid. God in his relationship with us took the equivalent of a billion dollars and said, I'm going to wipe that free. So as we're looking at this, let's keep going. It says, upon hearing his pleas, the king had compassion on his servant and released him and forgave him of this debt of this $1 billion. He he forgave him of this debt. It goes on to say, no sooner 
had the servant left when he met one of his fellow servants. So he went outside as soon as this happened. He saw one of his servants who owed him $20,000. He seized him by the throat and began to choke him, saying, you better pay me right now everything you owe me. His fellow servant threw himself down at his feet and begged. He was like, if it worked for you, it needs to work for me. He begged, please be patient with me. If you'll just give me time, I will repay you all that is owed. But the one who had his debt forgiven stubbornly refused to forgive what was owed to him. He had his fellow servant thrown into prison and demanded he remain there until he repaid the debt in full. When his associates saw what was going on, they were outraged and went to the king and told him the whole story. The king said to him, you scoundrel, is this the way you respond to my mercy? Because you begged me, I forgave you the massive debt that you owed me. Why didn't you show the same mercy to your fellow servant that I showed to you? In a fury of anger, the king turned him over to the prison guards to be tortured until all the debt was repaid. And in the same way, my heavenly father will deal with any of you, any of us, if you do not release forgiveness from your heart towards your fellow believer. I know that was a little long, but I hope you caught some of the nuggets that was in there. The very first nugget that I want us to grab is that the debt that was owed was so big and that the king, I like to equalize that with God, the king is actually saying, hey, I know you need mercy and I'm going to forgive you of all that. But what happens and what makes this so ironic is that just as he was uh, forgiven of all his debts, he goes right outside and for something very much smaller, he can't give that same mercy. So you see him, he's being forgiven of all this and then he's owed this. He's owed $20,000. And some of y'all are like, come on, I'll take that $20,000. But what I'm here to say is that as we learn the lessons of the debt that was actually forgiven for us, we have to take that same posture and understand that we're to pass that forward. We're to play that forward. And I know that might be hard because you're saying, you don't know what I went through. You don't know how they hurt me. But I'm here to let us know that if God can forgive us for all the things we did, how many times did we do the same stupid thing over and over again? How many times did we say, God, I'm never going to do that again. And then next week we're doing the same thing. How many times have we found ourselves saying, God, can you forgive me? And he's saying, yes, I will forgive you. I need you to get better in this. But we don't give that same grace to other people. And so as we're looking at this, what I want us to do is I want to just walk us through three truths that come from this that allows us to kind of walk through this thing called forgiveness in a way that we can continue to practice with other people. So the first thing I want us to understand is this. The truth about forgiveness is, number one, that there is real hurt and there is real pain. There is real hurt and there is real pain. So don't get it twisted as you're listening to this message. Don't think that I'm up here just saying, oh, just kind of forget it and don't worry about it. Oh, you know, God knows their heart. Yeah, God might know their heart, but I know what they did. Because what I'm saying here is we start off by understanding that the pain is real. The hurt is real. I want to pause and talk to the men in the house for a second because we have sometimes a hard time with being able to really admit that something actually hurt us. What we'll do is we actually internalize certain things and we start to think about those things and not tell anybody, but then we combust and we bust open when something is at an inopportune time. And so what I'm here to even give a special delivery to the men in the house is to let you know that it's okay to allow God in and say, hey, that pain was real. This thing really hurt me. 
Yes, I want to forgive because I know it's the way that you want me to go, but I'm having a hard time with it. And so as we talk about this pain being really real and this thing really hurting, is that the debt, even though it was only $20,000 for the man, it was real. It was real money that he was actually saying needed to be repaid back to him. Let me say it like this. If I have a family member come and actually want to borrow $100, I say, you need to tell me if you're borrowing this or you're going to give it back. Because if you're borrowing it, at that due date, you're going to get that text from me saying, hey, man, how you doing? You good? And that's Mo translation for where's my money? And so as we're talking through this, let's kind of equate this as if we're giving away something that's valued to us. $20,000 can go a long way. Even though it was 200,000 paychecks that he was forgiven, he still wanted his money. It still was a real thing. So the principle that Jesus wants us to see right here is that the debt was real, that the hurt was real, and that the pain is really real. Let me say this. I remember when I was going through one of my most traumatic, most depressed times in my life. And I remember as I was trying to walk through this, I was trying to pray it away. I was trying to worship it away. I was trying to go to church and read my Bible away. But I remember a key thing that happened. I went and I was talking to my counselor. Yes, my counselor as a pastor. I was talking to my counselor and they said to me, Mo, you're not going to be able to walk through this until you accept the fact that these emotions that you're having are real and they're okay. Can I slow down for a minute in here and minister to somebody in the room that you've been trying to faith it until you make it? You've been trying to fake and act like you're okay, and God is here sending the delivery through my mouth right now saying, your emotions, the thing that you're going through, the hurt that you went through, the pain that you went through, it is real, and it's okay to feel that way. I just need that to sit in the room for a minute, because so many times in church, what we're telling people is we're saying we're, we're giving condemnation for things that they should be able to be vulnerable with and share. And so when she told me that, I started to say, say this to other people. My wife's heard me say this so many times. Emotions are real, and we have to actually go through the process of going through and processing through it, or we'll never get through it. And so as we look at this, let me just say this real clearly, because some people, you still, are, you still might be saying, you're speaking up here, but you don't know what I went through. So let me say this. Yes, the person did steal from you, and you feel that. Yes, the person did molest you, and there is trauma that comes from that. Yes, the person, they did cheat on you, and you feel betrayed. Yes, the person did intentionally sabotage you, but you still are called to forgive them. For some of us in the room, somebody made a sincere mistake, but it still hurts you. And I'm here to tell you, with all those things, with all those scenarios, it's okay to feel how you feel, but it's not okay to harbor that debt in your heart. I'm going to slow this thing down a little bit today because I believe the Lord wants to interrogate us today because he wants to make sure that we don't get stuck because he has a purpose that he really wants us to walk in. So here's the thing. Take note of this. We have to acknowledge that hurt and pain. We have to acknowledge what we've gone through because here it is. If we never acknowledge it, God can't get in it. If we never acknowledge it, we can't be honest with God to say, this is how I'm feeling. You guys have heard me say this. My wife says it all the time. What you don't reveal, God can't heal. What you don't reveal, God can't heal. So in acknowledging it, what we're saying is that I'm not acting like it didn't happen, but I'm giving it to you, God. 
And so let me break this down one more, one more way. Let me tell you what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not denial, meaning I'm pretending that it wasn't a big deal. You know those people that say, oh, man, it was all right. But in your heart, you're like, I will kill you right now. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all put the Sunday face on with people knowing that you really want to go to town on them. Forgiveness is not approval saying, oh, it was just okay. It was, it was all right. I know you meant well. It's not that. Forgiveness is not forgetting where you just say, I'm going to forgive and forget. Let me make an announcement brought to you by Jesus Christ. Forgive and forget is not a real thing. Now, I know some of my theological people in here and some of my very spiritual people, you're like, well, Mo, don't you know that the Bible says in Jeremiah 31 that the Lord, he sees wickedness and he forgets it like it never happened? What did the Bible say? The Lord. (laughs) Can I talk to somebody in the room? He didn't say Mo. He didn't say humans. He said the Lord looks at the things, looks at your areas of wickedness and casts them out to never remember them again. And the reason why that's important is because so many people get so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good, and wondering why you crash and burn even though you're in church every Sunday. Because we don't want to deal with the real things and allow the Holy Spirit to work in us through his word, in our human nature, in our flawed nature, so that we can be better afterwards. So here it is. Listen to this quote. Christian forgiveness does not call us to forget but it allows us to remember while calling us to end the cycle of revenge. This is the truth that I want us to have. It's not about us just forgetting and forgiving. It's for us to say, hey, I remember what you did, but the power of God in me is so transformative that I'm not going to go into that revenge place with you. I'm not going to try to get you back because you did something to me. And I know it's tight. I know it's hard. But this is something that God wants to give us as a gift. And I said it already, but too many people are not able to be vulnerable in church because someone would tell you, you need to have more faith. People want to equalize your pain and just say, oh, you need to pray more. You need to go read a little more. While that might be the case in some instances, and this is what we're talking about today about forgiveness, God wants you to know that he hears you and that it's okay. Watch this. I want you to write this down. Faith is not pretending something didn't hurt. Faith is believing that God can heal the hurt. I need to say that one more time. Faith is not pretending that something didn't hurt, that it didn't happen, that it didn't hit me, that it didn't wound me. Faith is believing that I love you enough, God, that you're so powerful that even though this is a big thing in my life, you still can heal that hurt. But here's the caveat, because I want to share it with some people in here. Just because you actually forgive does not mean you put yourself back in the place of getting wounded again. So what I'm not saying is that as you see a pattern with somebody and you see them wounding you and you see them abusing you, that you put yourself back in that situation. What I'm not saying, if, if, if they're cheating on you and they're not treating you right and somebody's always in their DMs showing them butt shots. That you just keep on acting like you didn't see it. I'm getting real in here today. What I'm not saying is that if you see that there's a destructive habit right there, that you just keep putting yourself in there saying, oh, the Lord knows. Yes, the Lord knows, but he showed you too. So as we're walking through this, here it is. Psalm 34 verse 17 says this. 
The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The summary of that scripture is simply this. God hears your cry. God feels your pain. He acknowledges the fact that you are not feeling like everything is all right. And so as we're walking through this, I want you to really let that sink in because, again, some of us are going to leave this place today. And there are things that are going to happen to you this week that you're going to be challenged on this word. And I need you to be able to start to get into the habit of actually giving it to God and speaking it to God, telling him about your emotions, telling him that I'm not feeling this right now. Because he knows anyway, but he's waiting on you to invite him in. So what that does is that actually leads me to the next thing that I want to give us today. Because again, this healing process starts by acknowledging the hurt. And then we have to forgive and give it to God. But the second thing is God wants us to live debt free. God wants us to live debt free. Now, some of my people, financial people, I'm not talking about money right now. I'm talking about the debt that we hold in our heart when somebody has done something to us saying they owe me saying they owe me an apology, saying they owe me to repent, saying they owe me to actually bring a restitution back to what they took from me. What if God said, with all of your mess, with all the things that I give you chance after chance after chance, what if he said, you owe me? What if he said, I'm not going to forgive you until you pay me back? What if he said, yeah, I know you said you wouldn't do it again, but here you go, all up in their house again, doing the same thing over and over again. Let it sink in because as we see this picture, there is a great debt that was cleared for us, but so many times we don't want to give that same grace back to somebody else. Write this down. The heart of forgiveness is a generous release of a genuine debt. The heart of forgiveness is a generous release of a genuine debt, meaning this thing is not a patty cake gospel. This means there are real things that you're going to have to really prove God in and say, God, I know I'm feeling this, but I need to give this to you. And this is a genuine thing that actually hurt me, but I believe I can forgive through your power. Because here it is. Unforgiveness is this. It's living with that debt in mind, continuing to rehearse the record books until they somehow pay up. Some of y'all are seeing pictures in your mind right now of people, of situations, of things that you're like, okay, they won't, I won't give them forgiveness until they prove that they actually meant it. Let me keep going back to it. What if God only forgave you, only gave you grace when you can prove you really meant it? None of us would make it because his grace is so sufficient. Here it is. I want you to write this down. In Matthew 18... The servant took this posture that he didn't want to actually give the same grace that he was given. And write down Matthew chapter 6, because we're going to talk about this in a second, because Jesus found this so important. God found this so important that he gave us a model that he wanted us to pray every day. A lot of us, we pray the Lord's Prayer, and we can say it in our sleep, and we can just kind of let it go. But I want us to slow down and hear the words right now. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, here it is. God says to pray this way. Jesus says to pray this way. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. We run over words sometimes, but I need you to hear this. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. One more time. Forgive us our debts 
as we forgive our debtors. If God was to look at you and say, I'm only doing this as you've given, what would you be getting as a result? As we have been given our debts released, I want to ask this question. This is what I want you to write down. If God was to forgive you solely on the basis of how you forgave others, what would your life look like? I know I'm, th- I'm dropping some bombs in our lives right now because I need us to grab this because if we can get this, we can be unstuck. You can never pay God back the debt we owe, but so many times we're expecting other people to do it. Here it is, to forgive means to stop requiring payment of a debt that is owed. It is to release someone from paying back their wrong. I'm taking this real slow because I need us to grab this. To stop requiring payment of a debt that is owed and to release someone from paying back their wrong. The Greek definition of forgive is to send away, to leave behind, to let go and release to send away, to leave behind, to let go and release. Here it is. The reason why some of us are feeling so heavy, so depressed, so broken down is because we're trying to carry certain things that God told us to release and to let go. Some of us are wondering why we're stressed out, wondering why we can't sleep, wondering why we keep going in the same cycles because he said, the Bible says, I will never put more on you can bear than you can bear, but some of us are taking on things that we started bearing. And so as we're walking through this, God says, release it. It's real, but let it go. Send it away to never come back again. But here's the fact that I think some of y'all are thinking right now. What God is saying when we let it go, we're not letting people off the hook. What we're doing is we're transferring the debt from us to God so that he can forgive them with the same grace that he forgave us with. We're not just letting them off because there are some people who need to go to jail for the thing they did. They need to pay that debt. There are some people that need to actually walk in the repercussions of something that happened, but we don't have to be the people that carry that in our hearts, continue to be downtrodden with the things of unforgiveness. Luke chapter 6, verse 36. I talked about this scripture a couple weeks ago, but I want to actually just drive it home. I said that a lot of times we hear this scripture during offering time, but this is what I want us to do. We need to get context because as we read what's before and what's after this verse, this is when the Lord actually tells us what's happening. In Luke 6, it says this. This is an assignment for us. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. For the measure you use will be measured to you. For the measure you use will be measured to you. In short, what the Lord is saying is you dictate how I deal with you. You dictate the quality of forgiveness that I'm going to give to you by how you give it to other people. In my own life, as a pastor, as a preacher, I still have to walk through this. There was a person in my life that was a best friend of mine for years, almost two decades. And something happened in the midst of our friendship where this particular person, in my mind, violated my trust actually by trying to sue me. And what happened is that as I was going through this, this person who was my best friend, 
who when people saw me, they saw him. When they saw him, they saw me. This person who actually was my best friend turned into what I would even call in my spirit and my mind, my arch enemy for a while. And what would happen is that I would rehearse this thing that went on. I would rehearse the fact that they wronged me. I would rehearse the fact and say, how could they? And what the Lord does in his providence, God kind of works like this with me. What he started to do is he started to make it where I started to see this person like three or four times a week for a matter of about four months. And so every time I saw this person, I had to make a decision. I'm going to be bad today. I'm not going to let this go. And what I started to find was that it takes more energy to stay mad than to release it. Because what I was doing is I was rehearsing something that, who knows, God could have already forgiven him of, God could have already dealt with him, but I'm still holding on to it. And so finally, we were able to reconcile, we were able to talk. Now we're able to see each other in the gym, we're able to work out together, all those things. But let me give you a secret. Just because you forgive, it doesn't always mean that the relationship will come back to the place where it was. That's just a little wisdom key for us because sometimes God is actually teaching us some lessons to show us, okay, yes, you can forgive, but there might need to be a little space between you and them. So what I'm not saying is that we continue to put ourselves back in a place of wounding. What I'm not saying is if somebody abused you that you put yourself back in that situation. What I'm not saying is that if they're cheating and they're continuously operating that way, that you keep putting yourself in harm's way, there may need to be a little space created so that as you forgive and God can work some other things out. Amen? And that just simply takes me to the last thing that I want to give us today. And then we're going to do something because we need to make sure we release this thing. As we repent, God is the one who restores. And the third thing that I want to let us know is that there is real power in forgiving. There is real power and there is real value in forgiving. And this power that, that we we're talking about, it comes from a true realization that what God did for me, he can do it for somebody else. As God allowed me to give up the debt, he can allow me to make somebody else debt free. Because the thing about it is that, again, the enemy wants to bear us down. He wants us always rehearsing past things. In Colossians chapter 3, it says this, tolerate the weaknesses of those in the family of faith. Forgiving one another in the same way you have been graciously forgiven by Jesus Christ. If you find fault with someone, release this same gift of forgiveness to them. Let me slow that down one more time and just say it because I need us to grab it. I need us to be burned in our spirit. If you find fault with someone, release this same gift of forgiveness to them. What God is saying is I need you to take an evaluation on how you want to be treated. I need you to take an evaluation of what would you want the response to be when you need forgiveness. And he closes us up by actually telling us even here in Ephesians. Ephesians 4, 31, it says, get rid of all bitterness. Because some of us, we're hearing this and we're like, ah, that's too hard. Ah, I'm, still, I'm still alive. I'm still feeling this offense. God says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. I wanna take my time for a second because I know in the room there are some real pains. 
Yes, the divorce happened, and they tried to take you for everything you had. But God still calls us to forgive. Yes, that person did abuse you, but you're still here. And God doesn't want you continuing to replay that thing over and over again because he has more for you to walk in. Yes, somebody stole from you. But just as God gave you that forgiveness of debt, he's saying, can you be one who forgives of debt? Can you be someone who forgives much as I have forgiven you much? Listen to this last quote, and I think this captures everything that we're saying. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. I want to take a moment and pray for you because I recognize and I realize that this is an interrogative message where we have to deal with some things, where we have to search our hearts, where we have to look at it, where we have to slow down to allow the health of the Lord to kind of walk in and through us. So if you would, all over the room, can you just take a moment and just bow your heads for me? I want to pray for the power of God to actually be what actually regulates this task of forgiveness for us. I want to pray grace over you right now because I believe that if we can get this, that God wants to do something special after you get unstuck. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you right now for every person in this room, for every person worshiping with us online. That though this word was something that hit deep for some of us, that, Father, you love us so much that you would send us your grace. You love us so much that you would show us a picture of the fact that we have not earned this forgiveness of debt that you have given us. But the same way that we have not earned it, there are people who won't earn it and will never be able to earn it. So allow us to actually give it to you, God. Father, I pray for the person right now who is haunted by the person's face who abused them. I pray for the person in this room that even while they've been listening to this message, they've been having a hard time hearing me because they're continuing to replay that event. Father, I thank you that you're tenderizing hearts right now and that you're filling that place of void with your Holy Spirit. God, I thank you that as a community of believers, we will come around each other and help each other walk through the process of restoration. Father, for the people in here who have never given their lives to Christ, I pray for them right now because this is something we can't do in our own strength. So I pray right now, God, that anyone who needs to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that they do it right now by just confessing with their mouths that, Jesus, you are my Lord. By believing in their heart that you died on the cross for me, that you raised again from my sins and so I can live an eternal life and live life to the fullest. I thank you, God, for each and every one of them. And I plead the blood of Jesus and declare that we will be better after this moment because we have given it to you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to do something right here. Because as I said, sometimes we need to take actions and move forward in things just to send a sign to ourselves and a sign to heaven that we got it. So under each and every one of your seat, there's an index card and there's a pen. I want you to grab that. Everybody in the room, I want you to grab that. And as you grab that, as I was ministering this word, as I was going through this, there were faces, there were names, there were events that started to come up. 
And what I want you to do is I want you to write those names. For some of y'all, you might have to put both sides of the paper and fill it up. I need you to write those names. I want you to write down the event, the emotions that you felt. Because we're going to pray a prayer of forgiveness. And we'll end up putting this prayer on social media so you can get it because some of us will need to rehearse this again. But as you're thinking about this, I just want you to hear me pray this prayer of forgiveness over you while you're writing this down. Father, we pray and we say, God, I repent for withholding forgiveness from the people that we are writing on this paper. Today, I make a decision to forgive them of the offense that they actually made towards me. And Father, when they did this, it made me feel in this certain way. And Father, I thank you right now that I no longer want to carry this wound. And today I make a choice to give you the pain. I lay it at the foot of the cross and I hand this person that I'm writing their names down, I hand them over to you and I choose to allow you to be my justice maker. Right now, Lord, I receive the gift of joy, hope, peace, and love that's found in you. And I thank you for continually healing my heart. God, I declare that I won't be the same and I won't carry this weight with me past this moment. In Jesus' name, amen.